You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Trying to educate the C-suite on the complexities of modern marketing has become an occupational hazard for CMOs and marketers. The problem is that a lot of folks in the C-suite, and throughout the rest of the company for that matter, think marketing is easy. Create a snappy jingle and or endearing spokes character to sell the product, add some crisp ad copy, make it relatable to the target audience, and voila, there's your message. But the reality couldn't be further from the truth. To bridge the gap, marketers need to, well, market themselves more effectively to the entire company and show how ad creative isn't just about arts and crafts, but can spur growth, spike the top and bottom lines, and generate future demand. It's a tall order, but help is on the way. Work, the marketing research firm, has developed a new white paper titled Building a Culture of Creative Effectiveness. The study provides marketers with a framework for demonstrating their value and establishing a common language and a common set of metrics so they're more in sync with the needs of upper management. To get buy-in, brand managers must provide the C-suite with a clear understanding of the whole marketing gestalt and which levers the company needs to pull to maximize its marketing investments. Anne-Marie Kerwin is America's editor at work. I caught up with her at the a Masters of Marketing Conference in Orlando last October to talk about the study, a new model for embedding marketing's value, and how Joan Coletta, Senior Director, Global Brand Leadership Team at McDonald's, made a convincing case to the C-suite on the connection between branding and profitability. Anne-Marie, it's so good to see you, and thanks for making the time. Thanks for having me. You bet. Let's get right to it and tackle this study that Work recently released, Building a Culture of Creative Effectiveness, which was conducted along with Lions Can and the ANA. Set the table for us. What are the most salient takeaways from the study that CMOs and marketers can put in their back pocket? Talk to the overall that companies are missing regarding creative effectiveness. So the important thing for CMOs is to realize that they need to market themselves. So they need to market what marketing does to the C-suite because it's not getting the respect that it deserves. And this may require gathering evidence and a certain set of metrics to make sure we can prove creativity and marketing is having an impact and also to be successful. The CMO really needs to speak the language of the C-suite. So it's not about brand lift, it's not about awareness, it's about revenue and profits and shareholder value. So we need to prove that marketing does contribute to those. Help us out here. How does a good culture, quote unquote, operate? What are the underlying marketing strategies to cultivating a good culture? What are the parameters in the day-to-day operation? So culture really means having an organizational belief in the power of marketing. So understanding that it is a revenue driver, that it is contributing, and that it's important to reframe what marketing does as not just talking to the people who are currently in market, which as marketers know, but maybe not everyone throughout the organization doesn't understand that when you're advertising, you're only talking to a small subset of your customers who are ready to buy at that moment. Marketing's job is to create future demand. So you want to make sure two or three years down the road, you have your customers coming back, you're able to attract new customers. This is the essential part of growth for any organization. 
But it's not necessarily the CMOs blowing things up, but just perhaps reframing? Reframing, right. Making sure that what marketing does is fully understood throughout the whole organization. A lot of times there may be, if you have operations or finance people, they may not fully grasp what great brand building can do. They may just look and be like, why are we doing this silly social campaign? It's got a purpose and it's doing real work. The report identifies three main levels at which organizations need to develop in order to deliver a culture of creative effectiveness, as we've been talking about. And the three building blocks are align, build, and embed. Can you briefly take us through each block and how the three of them align? The reality is in order for creative effectiveness to have an impact, it really needs to be institutionalized throughout the whole organization. The first step, align, really is probably the most important one because that's when you're going to get the buy-in from the CEO and the CFO. You're going to align on what metrics and data you're going to use to track marketing's impact on mm -hmm. the business and have a common language that you use to talk about what creativity does so that it's understood how it's moving the business forward. Also having that buy-in means you're able to embed this throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. So that's the important part of the align. Mm -hmm. For build, mm -hmm. once you get that alignment, then you can build and that means gathering key stakeholders within your marketing organization who are going to drive this agenda forward. They're going to be responsible for making sure that it gets to every level of the marketing organization. Once you have your playbook in place, you can break it out for brands and at a regional level. This is where the tools, where you're going to be using tools to talk objectively about mm -hmm. what creativity does is important. So mm -hmm. when we talk about the tools and the language, what we're talking about, Wark, for example, has what we've developed. It's called the Creative Effectiveness Ladder. Mm -hmm. And it's got six levels of ways to evaluate creativities from like inspirational idea to breakthrough behavior all the way up to enduring icons. So it gives a framework, a very rigorous framework for how creative can be evaluated, but also can be objectively looked at to say, what do we expect the impact of this creative to be? Those tools and that language are very important that everyone in the organization is using them and understand because that's what your promise is for what the creativity is going to do. The third is embed. This is where you get to reach out to your external partners, your ad agencies. And just like within your marketing organization, it's understood everyone knows what tools you're using, what language you're using. Your agency partners need to know that too. One way you can do this is through workshops and trainings, but a, a really great tool is to have an internal awards program set up because awards programs can be a great teaching tool. It holds up great work. It shows what elements of the great work the organization values and it incentivizes people to want to do that great work. But is align and build, are those two aspects part of the problem in that there are a lot of marketers out there who fail to engage the rest of the organization and their strategies and tactics and executions end up being half-baked and then they sell it to the agency and the, the same thing will happen to the agency in terms of not everyone being in sync, focused on the core. If the organization doesn't have a clear understanding of how creativity works to move the business forward. How can you get your partners to understand that? It's so much more powerful when the whole organization is aligned. Because when you think about it, marketing really is, it's the public face of the company. If the whole company doesn't understand their public face, what are you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. When it comes to feeding the sales funnel with Ed, what are some of the steps that brands can take to jettison the short-termism mindset in which it's a zero-sum game between, for example, the top of the funnel, branding, 
on the bottom of the funnel, performance marketing. What the C-suite needs to understand is that there are various techniques and channels that we use to do a complete marketing plan. Mm -hmm. And there are trade-offs within those channels. Many companies will look, especially during a recession, and think, we're spending a lot, where can we cut? That brand campaign seems like we're spending too much on it. We can ease back on that. Performance marketing is running. It's going to keep us going, which is great. You might That might work for this quarter, might work for the next quarter. But maybe two years down the line, 18 months down the line, what you'll start to see is we're losing out to private label. We're not in the key consideration group for this target group of consumers. We're not getting renewals. People aren't buying again because you've cut off that brand building channel. And so if you're not feeding that future demand, you're cutting off your growth. It's important for the C-suite to understand that that's the choice they're making. Yeah. And what do they wanna do? Like when will they turn it back on to get that future demand? When is future demand not important? Everything we're talking about here, is it predicated on the CEO and perhaps the CFO for that matter? having a much clearer idea on what marketing is doing. Is that part of the fundamental disconnect between marketing and the C-suite? Do we need to get to an inflection point here where the CEO and the CFO get more skin in the game? You need that commitment from your CEO to really understand that this is, this is a driver mm -hmm. and it's a tool that he should be using. Part of it is when we get to that, that language issue, the CEO quite often will admit that he doesn't know everything about the tech and IT department. He's quite willing to listen to the CIO. But when it comes to marketing, everyone thinks they know. It's a funny jingle. I like that music. It's a good character. Marketing feels like it's easy. I could do that. But it's not. We talk about it all the time here at ANA of Marketers, Masters of Marketing. We all understand how brand building works, but other organizations, they're not thinking about it every day. It's so important to get that mindset into the C-suite to bring the respect for what marketing can do to actually drive your business. Uh, and as we head into a short break, Anne-Marie, what are the obstacles to developing the building blocks and making sure all stakeholders are on board? We've heard a lot here at the conference that perhaps too many marketers operate at a distance from the rest of the organization. Yeah, I would um, say that's the biggest obstacle. If you have a CEO or CFO who are not bought into marketing or don't understand all of the levers they can pull, that's an obstacle. That new language and building common language, that's a cultural issue. And anytime you're trying to change culture, that's a big lift. I think also there's such a difficulty in getting to the metrics that prove that connection between branding and profit sales revenue. When Joan Coletta, the global marketing director of McDonald's presented at the CMO council. She talked about how it took a year for her to get those metrics in mm. place, a year, but once they came in, it paid off so much. It's gonna take commitment from not just the CMO, but the entire organization, and that is a big cultural lift. Okay, and a little more patience and a little more uh, reality-based thinking when it comes to the ROI of marketing among the tippy top? Yes, it's very important to understand what metrics that you do, which ones actually reflect what's happening within your organization. It's hard because it's going to be a little different depending on which organization goals you have. Definitely making sure that the CEO and the CFO are aligned on how they're holding marketing accountable. And it's also marketing needing to step up and say, I'm going to be accountable. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now for a short break. For a new CMO, the pressure to deliver results is on from the get-go. 
If you don't take a disciplined approach to onboarding, you'll soon find yourself in a defensive crouch without laying a solid foundation for long-term value. ANA CMO's 90-Day Quick Wins Package is a combination of videos, cheat sheets, checklists, and more to help your first three months as CMO or marketing lead be a success. To learn more, go to www.ana.net slash first 90 days. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Anne-Marie Kerwin, America's editor at work, regarding a new report from the company titled Building a Culture of Creative Effectiveness. Anne-Marie, creativity is considered the spine of the marketing industry, but the work report shows that 25% of the respondents were cutting investments in creativity due to economic pressure, and the same study in 2022 found that just 12% of respondents felt they could sell the value of creativity to the CFO. So my question is, how do marketers cultivate a culture of creativity with all of these obstacles and doubts about creativity in the ether? We know, and studies have shown on work, we have oodles of studies that show this, that creativity has an outsized impact on sales and profits. NC Solutions studied ad profitability and found that a campaign's creative is the single biggest factor for ad profitability. Brand reach and targeting accounted for the other half, so creative is doing as much work as brand reach and targeting altogether. A study by Wark and Cantor found that the average profit ROI for ads with high creative quality was mm -hmm. twice that as average mm -hmm. and four times that as low. Creative X found that high quality ads makes your media work harder. A 10% increase in the creative quality of your ads correlated to a 2% decrease in CPM costs. So great creative isn't necessarily a replacement for ad budgets, but it does supercharge the budget that you do have. Mm -hmm. Investing in creative and great creative campaigns is a way to make your money go further. So that's a pretty good argument to the CFO. Mm -hmm. So you have all the data, positive data, serving as a counterpoint to some of these more negative data points. With that, do you think that points to a failure of communication as well as imagination when it comes to the CMO educating the C-suite on the value of marketing? It is going back to what I was talking about with that reframing as marketing's job, as cultivating future demand. You have to know that your organization can ensure that consumers are gonna be interested in, know your products, trust your brand two or three years from now. You don't have a few unless you're going to have a future base of customers. We know as marketers that what you need to do is build associations with your brand, connect your brand to particular need states or moments so consumers think of your brand when they're in that. You need to support your pricing because if customers know your brand, they're more likely to trust it. And it's been shown that consumers are willing to pay more for a brand that they're familiar with and they trust. And you want to give buyers a reason to buy. So you need to stand out among your competitors. Great branding campaigns do that. They lay the foundation for that. What you need to do is get your CEO and your CFO to understand that these are actual business tools that are going to drive the business forward. I want to come back to some of these stats reported that may speak to how CMOs define success in this climate. Even among marketers, only 28% see creativity as business critical, according to research from the World Advertising Federation for the white paper. But does that suggest that too many marketers have become enthralled to the science of marketing at the expense of the art? What does that portend for the industry? 
What does that say about believing and validating creativity? I think it's not so much art and science as simpler science and more complex science is the way the CMOs can frame it. Calculating your click-through rate, that's a very easy calculation, but measuring brand impact is much more complex and there are so many more factors that go into that. And then you have to sell that complex calculation to the C-suite. So that right in itself is a bigger lift. So many campaigns are designed to be relatable. They're designed to be convey a clear message. So it feels like what you're doing is simple, but it's not because we have an entire conference here today talking about the complexities of marketing. But if that's not clear to the C-suite, how do you get the respect for the real work that's going on? And uh, ask you about uh, the report's findings vis-a-vis -vis the so-called four traditional P's of marketing, product, price, place, and promotion. Are marketers short shrifting the value of promotion and what could it mean for the top and bottom lines? McDonald's is a great example of how this has worked. Joan Coletta, she's Senior Director of Global Marketing at McDonald's and she presented to the CMO uh, Growth Council this week. As an organization, McDonald's understands that marketing is an essential global growth driver and she led the fast food giant to include the brand work and creative campaigns that they're doing as part of their growth plan for the future years. She came into the organization. She said that they were working on a four-week scheduled bursts of promotion, and then they'd throw it out and start again. And she was amazed that McDonald's wasn't pulling on one of their biggest assets. They're McDonald's. It's yeah. a brand that everyone knows. And so she thought McDonald's had lost some of its brand swagger. So she aligned with the CEO and the CFO. She embedded that common language and tools around what great creative looks like. And she made a very simple change. She wanted McDonald's marketing to be feel-good marketing. She changed the brief that they use. And the brief is now called the feel brief because the goal is how are we going to make consumers feel when mm -hmm. they see this campaign? Mm -hmm. Because she understands that emotion is a more powerful motivator than a two-for-one promotion. Mm -hmm. And having that ongoing brand building going on means that those short-term promotions actually are more effective. She cited two examples of great campaigns. I don't know if you remember the famous orders campaign that McDonald's had. It started about two years ago with mm -hmm. Travis Scott's order. Mm -hmm. And so the insight was that everybody has their go-to McDonald's order, even famous people. So they started featuring celebrities' meals packaged up on the menu. Fans could come in and buy it. It was a great way to connect with younger consumers, which McDonald's was tr struggling with and it was socialized across all the social campaigns. So fans would come in and buy it and then they'd make hats out of the meal pieces and shoes and like steal posters. And so it became a great way to invoke emotion and an emotional connection. But it was also easy to globalize because you could each country had their own local celebrity that they could put the meal plan on or it actually showed how they were driving sales up and down the whole organization using this. As part of that McDonald's strategy. She also expanded the timeline, whereas previously it was weeks, now she turned it into a year. Having that great brand idea, like Famous Orders, it can take so many different iterations that then also work as short-term promotions. Introducing a new celebrity meal gives you another moment to talk about it, which then drives sales for that celebrity. As we start to wrap up, if you can leave our listeners with some sagely advice on how to invest in creative culture, what are the critical points here? Ultimately, it's about performance. 
you can deliver growth, you're going to get the support. And we heard Mark Pritchard at P&G talk about that this week, that it's so important to like be able to show that growth and the way you grow markets. So there are CMOs that don't have to fight for budget because they've proven that they can get a return that is exponentially higher than their marketing spend. What you need to do is make sure you're framing marketing as a business engine rather than a cost center. Key is to make sure that these successes are communicated and the processes are transparent and that you're building trust with the CFO and you've got that conviction from the CEO. When you, when you provide those returns, when you, sh when you can show that growth to the CFO, does the CFO change his or her tune in that? We need to invest in this. We need to expound on this. And they're showing us the proof. So let's stop starving marketing. Yes, ultimately, if growth is achieved, you're going to get the support because which company is gonna turn off something that's working. It's a big responsibility on marketing to be accountable and to drive that growth. As we know, we have great tools in the marketer's tool belt and it's definitely achievable. And we'll have to leave it there. Anne-Marie Kerwin, America's Editor at Work. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. To learn more about Work's Creative Effectiveness Study, go to work.com. That's W-A-R-C.com. To register for the ANA's Masters of Marketing Conference in 2024, go to www.ana.net forward slash masters. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.